From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Welcome back to Terra Informa. I'm Jason Wong. And I'm Sydney Carbonic. And we'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news from across Canada and around the world. This week, we bring you two interviews about creepy crawlies from the past and the future. Both of these stories originally aired live for our special 2017 Fun Drive episode on October 31st. With the help of our listeners, we raised an incredible total of $1,350 during our show, helping CJSR sail past the station goal of $105,000. We passed our goal of $1,200. Thank you, everyone, so, so much. You guys are amazing. We We really, really appreciate it. Thank you again to all of our donors. Truly, we love you, and your support for our community radio is inspiring. You keep us on the air. And for anyone who missed our fun drive but still wants to show us some love, you can still contribute to what we do here year-round by going to cjsr.com slash donate. For this episode, we chat with grad student Emily Moore about her passion for the gigantic insects of the Mesozoic era. Plus, we talked all things insect flower and bug biscotti with the good folks of Edmonton's own Camola Sustainable Bakery, Sylvia Ranzani and Claudio LaRocca. These stories are soon to be worming their way into your minds. But first, we have some environmental headlines for you. In a landmark decision released November 2nd, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that the development of a proposed year-round ski resort on sacred indigenous lands in British Columbia would not be a violation of religious rights. The appeal case was brought by the Tunaha Nation of the Kootenai region where the resort has been proposed, asking that the project be halted due to the spiritual meaning of the locale to the Tunaha people. The involved company, Glacier Resorts wants to build their ski destination in the upper Jumbo Valley, traditionally known as the Katmuk region. This is believed by the Tunaha to be the home of the grizzly bear spirit, and they believe that the development would desecrate their relationship with the spirit. The court decision stipulates that the right to hold and manifest religious beliefs are upheld by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, but these rights do not extend to the protection of sacred sites. However, although the legal ground, ha- however, although the legal path has been cleared, the project still needs to get environmental and other approvals, which may not necessarily be granted. Loblaw Companies Limited, which owns widely known brands like President's Choice, Joe Fresh, and TNT, announced on November third that they will be switching all 400 of their delivery trucks to fully electric vehicles as part of their plan to cut carbon emissions by 30% by 2030. This move is being celebrated by many as an important example of private sector climate leadership as Canada strives to meet its 2030 Paris Agreement climate goals. Transportation is a major source of carbon emissions, second only to oil and gas industry in Canada. The first truck was unveiled at the announcement and it is a 53-foot Class 8 battery-powered freight hauler manufactured by China's BYD. 
As their natural gas and diesel power generators age, Jasper is looking for a new solution to power the national park town. Atco Limited, the Calgary-based power company that owns and operates the current system, has suggested that a transmission line through the UNESCO World Heritage Preserve is the best and cheapest replacement option. Opponents of the plan worry about the environmental and aesthetic costs of poles and power lines running through the park. Atco claims that they are taking the issue of reducing impact on the park seriously. Their plans to minimize the effects include following the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain Pipeline route, reducing the buffer around the line to limit vegetation clearance, and completing construction mostly in winter time to minimize wildlife disturbance. However, others think other options need to be explored. The Alberta Utilities Commission will hold a hearing on the project starting December 12, 2017. Our first main story this week is an interview with the bug-loving Emily Moore. Emily is a University of Alberta paleontology graduate, currently enrolled as a master's student at the University of Edinburgh for a science communication and public engagement degree. Emily answered our call on social media for bug enthusiasts and agreed to join us live on air for Fun Drive. We'll hear how Emily's fear of bugs turned into a passion and learn about bugs several feet long in the Mesozoic era. Hi guys, so my name is Sydney Karbonik and I have the pleasure to talk to Emily Moore today about creepy crawly bugs for a Halloween episode. Um, So Emily, tell us about yourself Um, even more specifically, tell us about your fear of bugs. Okay, well, uh, thank you guys for having me, first of all. Um, And thank you, Sydney, for being my interviewer today. Um, uh, Yeah, my name is Emily. I am a paleontology graduate from here, uh, right at the U of A. And uh, my fear of bugs, so... I mean, that's pretty common. I feel like a lot of people have at least sort of unnerved when it comes to bugs. Um, But the truth is, is that when I got to my second year, I was offered an option. I could have taken entomology or I could have taken botany. And I'm going to upset some people by saying that I... I really hate plants more than I hated bugs, so that's where I found myself in the entomology class. And and then the rest is history. It didn't take too long, a couple classes in, and then I realized that uh, all these critters, all the things that I thought made them really gross are actually the things that make them incredibly fascinating. So uh, I continued on learning about insects throughout the rest of my degree. So... Bugs are kind of a love-hate relationship with you, you would say? Yes, I think that's the perfect way to say it. I love them, I think they're fascinating, and yet I want them to uh, stay away from me. (laughs) Okay, um, awesome. So in our emails leading up to the interview, you mentioned that in the Mesozoic era, bugs really started to diversify. Uh, yes, that that is true. Um, during the Mesozoic, especially in the Triassic, we see flowering plants evolve. And as soon as we see that, we also see the insects diversify like crazy, which is where we get most of the modern orders that we see today, especially pollinating plants or pollinating insects that pollinate the plants. Um, insects actually evolved way before that, about 400 million years ago in the Devonian and all of the really really giant creepy crawly ones come just before the dinosaurs so before we had giant reptiles we had giant insects okay so just for some of our listeners could you 
clarify, I don't know, what's the, when's the Mesozoic era? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, well, the Mesozoic era is a period of geologic time defined by uh, the presence of dinosaurs. Um, it begins when we find our first fossil dinosaur, and it ends with a giant meteorite impact and the extinction of the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, so it ended about uh, 66 million years ago. Now, before that became something called the Paleozoic era, which is where um, a lot of uh, animal groups diversified, and um, it ends with the presence of dinosaurs. Um, but it's that period before we had the very giant land animals that other animals that were not necessarily vertebrates were, were the kings of the, the land and the sky. <laughs> Awesome. Wait, I just have a question. How big are we looking here? Uh, well, I'll, I'll get into that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> big, though. Very big. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the next question. Okay. Uh, the entire world was impressed when giant stink stick bugs were rediscovered just off Lord Howe Island near Australia. Mm -hmm. But you said in your email that there are fossils from the Mesozoic that are several feet long? How did that happen? Well, the fossils that I brought in are actually all just before the Mesozoic, um, but but they probably existed well into it. Um, I brought kind of my, my highlighted favorites along with me to talk about. Um, the very first one uh, is probably the most famous named uh, Meganeura. Now, Meganeura is almost identical to modern-day dragonflies, um, except we're looking at a wingspan of about two feet across. Um, so about the size of a seagull. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, I would just imagine one of those flying in through an open window and causing massive <laughs> destruction in the house, so. Yes, oh my gosh. Um, do you have any other favorites? Yes, uh, my my second favorite kind of speaks for itself. Um, it's called Pulmonoscorpius, and I'm sure you guys can maybe guess what that is just by the name. Um, it is a scorpion um, that is just over two feet long. Um, it's it's likely that this scorpion could also take down very large vertebrates uh, with its poison as well. Um, so I'm actually very grateful that this one is extinct and that we don't have to run into this one ever, ever, oh, ever. That's <laughs> so cool. yeah. yeah, the interesting thing about a lot of the uh, a fossil insects is that they look very similar to ones that we still have today. So it's very easy to recognize them in fossil form. Okay. Uh, the last one is probably my favorite, only because it's the most gross by far. Um, this one is the oldest as well. Its name is Arthropleura. Um, this one's hard to guess what it is by the name, but it is an ancestor to centipedes and millipedes um, with a fossil up to eight feet long <laughs> and about 50 centimeters wide. So... Yeah, you know, larger than your golden retriever, let's just put it that way. However, good news, it was herbivorous, so it only ate plants. Um, still maybe not someone you want to be friends with, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, way gross. Um, so you said your passion, sorry, you said you're passionate about dispelling fears about insects. Are there any myths you'd like to debunk for us today? Oh, yeah, that would be uh, that would be fantastic. I think um, the biggest myth about insects, I think, is that everyone sort of thinks that they're 
I don't know, sort of out to get you, invading the home, that kind of thing. And really, I mean, insects are just like any other animal out there. They're just living their life um, and surviving just like everyone else. They might not be everyone's favorite because they're not fluffy and cute, but they are so important to the health of our ecosystems and even our water systems and stuff like that. But um, knowing about insects and knowing why they're important are amazing um, just amazing things that you want to keep in mind when you're considering health of farming environments, ecosystems, and all those things. Awesome. Well, thank you, Emily, for joining us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. That was fun. We learned so much cool stuff about bugs and are now know where we wouldn't go if we had a time machine. Yeah, you really wouldn't <laughs> want to end up uh, in the Mesozoic era. Yeah, although, I don't know, like, comparing, like, that like the giant bugs to a golden retriever kind of made me have this like little fantasy about like mm-hmm. having like a pet giant bug and like yeah or like riding a giant bug <laughs> like riding a giant millipede to school would be pretty oh. pretty cool pretty yeah. cool yeah i agree that was terra informa sydney carbonic speaking with emily moore about giant bugs in the mesozoic era we'll let you decide if their existence sounds super cool or super terrifying Next up, we're going to hear from Sylvia Rosani and Claudio La Roca of Camola Sustainable Bakery. They aren't your typical bakery owners. They've got backgrounds in entomology and environmental studies, and they make their Italian-inspired baked goods with, you guessed it, bugs. They combine their love for environmental issues and insect protein with a passion for delicious baked goods, creating a brand new business in Edmonton, Alberta. They joined us in the studio for our live Fungide episode to talk to us about what inspired them to take this step and what they think the future holds in terms of eating creepy crawlers. So um, here we are. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Cool. Um, So I'm going to preface this with, um, if you don't know, uh, CJSR's uh, theme this year for Fundrive is the future. Um, And we thought it would be interesting to talk to um, two people about maybe like what the future of uh, eating might look like. Uh, so, So what are your backgrounds? I'm really curious to know what you were doing before you started this interesting bakery. We were doing something boring, so academia. <laughs> <laughs> we are both entomologists, and we, I was doing my master until November last year, and Sylvia is still... I am a still a master here uh, at the UVA. Oh, cool. Basically forestry, studying bugs in the forest. Same but, for me, yeah. sorry. Same for me, I'm a student, I'm studying yeah, ground beetles in the boreal forest. But about, I would say, a couple of years ago, yeah. years and a half ago, we got in contact with edible insects. Uh, we thought it was cool, it was interesting, interesting concept for the future of food. So we started looking into that and reading a little bit more about it. And we tried some of the products you can find right now on the market, and it was, eh, okay, fine, but I don't need, you know, um, protein bars every day. So we decided to do something a little bit more exciting and interesting. Yeah, that's, I definitely, when I see these things, it's like yeah. a lot of like protein bars yeah. and things. And I guess there's only so much protein bars you can eat. <laughs> yeah, unless you go to the gym five yeah. times a day. But who <laughs> does that 
actually not me. I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so sorry. So can you just again touch on so like the where did so where did the idea of um, bug protein baked goods like how did that kind of come to you? Well, uh, we try uh, a grasshopper uh, for the first time in during a lab meeting. So one of our lab mates gave us uh, this grasshopper was uh, oven roasted, uh, nothing fancy. I liked it, the taste, but I thought that maybe um, we can make it better. And since I love baking, uh, that's my biggest passion, I thought, why not? Uh, why don't incorporate uh, insects in my baked goods? And we were lucky enough that there is a company in Ontario that is selling actually insect flour, specifically crickets and mealworms. And so we were able to have access to flour. And so I was able to start experimenting in uh, uh, recipes. And well, I personally love the taste, and I find that is uh, awesome. You can even taste the difference between species, so it's not all the same. You have different flavors, and that's uh, that's just amazing for me. And I'm so excited, and I hope I, uh, people will try and uh, experiment same uh, that I did. Yeah, that's interesting. That adds like a whole nother element, like the consideration of different the different flavor of different species. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, so how do people react typically uh, when they realize that they're eating? Uh, what you, what you sell bug scotty um, or like bug bread. How do, what are people's reactions to it? Well, we tell them f before they try, <laughs> okay, just good. to be sure. I guess that's good, yeah. <laughs> there is also a little bit of health concern because there is a risk of um, shellfish allergies. Mm. People don't realize that, but actually insects are very similar to shellfish. So some people call uh, grasshoppers and uh, crickets uh, the shrimps of the land shrimps. So they're very similar. But besides that, we tell them and we usually have two or three reaction. One is interesting, they try and they think about it and then they come back later. The second one, great, awesome, and they buy. The third one, which is not that common, they just run away. <laughs> <laughs> which happens, I mean, we understand it. it's a new concept and especially for you know, North American Europeans is not what we are used to mm -hmm. and what we used to eat every day, but all in all, the reaction are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really strange for me trying for the first time an insect, so I can understand completely. But in our product, you won't and never ever see any piece of the insect. <laughs> so it's all ground up, so nothing scary is yeah. in there. No eyes looking no, back They will not jump out of the biscotti. <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. Um, I'm, uh, I want to ask you, uh, Sylvia, what was the first thing that you tried baking? Um, it was uh, uh, probably uh, biscotti, uh, just because um, um, I love baking sweet stuff in general. Uh, and um, at the time, I was experimenting with bread, but I wasn't that good, so I didn't I didn't want to put too many things together and then fail. Uh, so I tried with some recipe that I was really comfortable with, and definitely biscotti, uh, also cakes and pies are something that I really like to bake. So I started with those things. Cool. Yeah, and it was just for us at the beginning, and then we were thinking and thinking, and then we tried to make it available for everyone. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, Charlie's got a question. As a baker, <laughs> yes. fellow baker, I just have a quick question. We got phones ringing. Thanks for calling, guys. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, do you have to? Ch so do you have to like change like? How does insect flour like change the consistency and stuff? Like, do you have to like change it drastically, like the measurements and stuff? We need you need to adjust it mm -hmm. for sure a little bit, yeah. especially with uh, dough like bread. I work a lot with sourdough, so definitely you need to be careful because uh, it's like almond flour, so we'll tear the gluten apart a little bit. So you need to be careful and gentle and don't add too much. But uh, it's not that terrible. Actually, it's fairly easy. Uh, to adjust. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, and I also just want to say, uh, Claudio, you said that some of some people maybe just run away at the idea of bugs in their baked goods. And so I brought home some sourdough to my brother a couple weeks ago after visiting you at the uh, University of Alberta's uh, farmers market, and he wouldn't touch mm. it. My mom was so excited. She was like, "This is great." She loves the idea of eating bugs, but he was. <laughs> Here is the trick, and I hope that people that are listening will not stop eating anything, but we already eat insects every day. Um, one of the products that is made from insects is uh, um, food color. Anything you eat that is red is pretty much 99% of the stuff you eat that is red is colored with an insect. If you like jelly beans, sorry guys, the shellac that is the outside part is actually an insect. Um, if you like figs, sorry again, uh, the way the, way the uh, flower is pollinated, you have a small uh, wasp that basically dies inside after pollinating the, pollinating the flower. So when you have figs, you're already having insects. But on top of all this, whatever comes from a field, either wheat or fruit or whatever, you're ready, you always have insects ground up. There are some statistics and all sums up to about two pounds per person per year which what? is not nothing. Yeah, that's more than you'd expect. <laughs> yeah, but in that case, you don't know where they come from, what they've been exposed to. Uh, what we do is all controlled and so approved, so it's safe. Uh -huh. um, and many of your listeners will not eat anything anymore, just marshmallows from now on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, were you going to say something, Sylvia? No. Okay. Um, uh, so what kind of... So you said mealworms and crickets are the two kinds of bugs that would hmm. be used in your products. That's pretty cool. Um, and then I was going to ask you, uh, just going to move on to the next question here. Um, so I'm kind of curious, um, what are the benefits here of using bug protein? Do you want to take these or do you want me to take this? As you want. Taking all the science stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, if you compare uh, insect protein to regular livestock, let's say cows, so meat, Meat is about 17-18% uh, protein in dry weight, uh, insect up, up to 70%. Um, the amino acidic profile, so the amino acids you find in insects are, you basically find all the essential amino acids you need. On top of that you have micronutrients uh, like iron, potassium, calcium, you have omega-3, omega-6, you have a ton of B12, especially for crickets. Depends on the species and how they are processed, but about 10 to 14 grams of cricket flour, 100% of your B12 for one day, which is good. Yeah, I, I don't know that much about vitamins and stuff, but B12 is something, isn't that something, so I guess if you're like vegan or something, then... You do need to have a little bit more B12 <laughs> in your diet, okay. but even if you're not, if you're anemic, mm -hmm. 
you need B12 okay. as well. And the, the other advantage is the way they are farmed requires less land, less resources, less water, and emits less greenhouse gases. Uh, just for the water, which is the most astonishing uh, number, one kilogram of uh, cricket flour, about four liters of water, one kilogram of beef, about anywhere between 20 and 40,000 liters of water. And that considering, of course, the, uh, the amount of water you need for their feed, the amount of water you need for processing the meat. For crickets, you require less water and also you don't have that much processing afterward. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. And on top of these, they <laughs> are delicious. Really, really delicious. I love them. We have to stress that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can definitely, uh, I can say I like tasted some of the stuff and it's, uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like sweet stuff. So I like the bug Scotty. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so what do you think? Do you think that people in North America, like in the future can kind of overcome this ick factor and embrace eating bugs a little bit more often? Um, to me, it will happen, for sure. Uh, it did happen with sushi, uh, which was something that was completely out of our diet. We never eat, uh, ate uh, um, raw, raw fish. fish, but now we love raw fish, and it's really good, it's delicious. So it's just a matter of um, get used to the idea and try it. Maybe be brave a few times and see uh, and check and taste. And so I think it will happen sooner uh, than later. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It definitely requires some education of the market and customers. But if you look at how the market is right now and what other companies are doing, they're doing very well. And the market is growing and people are more open to the idea. Uh, it's new just for North America and Europe. About two billion people every day eat insects. So we are actually, we are the oddity. <laughs> the majority of the world eats insects. And as I said, we already do it, we just don't want to acknowledge that. So it takes, will take some time, probably a few years, but if you consider where the first companies were five years ago when basically the North American market started and when they are, where they are now, where they are funded and they have millions of dollars getting into these companies, they are probably getting there. Interesting, yeah. I, I think I like to, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so I, because mostly just because I, I, the environmental impact of meat is so astonishing to yeah. me. Kind of like what you just said, how much water goes into making um, meat. So, I mean, I think I see around me, um, there's more, more of a conscience around mm -hmm. uh, the resource intensity of meat production. So it's, I mean, this seems like a really, to me, it sounds like a really cool alternative uh, to getting, making sure you're getting all your nutrients. Try some bugs, be adventurous. It's a culinary adventure. Yeah, exactly, you lead can, the change. <laughs> you can tell all your friends you had, bu had bugs. That was Amanda Rooney interviewing Sylvia Ronzani and Claudio La Roca of Camola Sustainable Bakery in Edmonton. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. Remember that even if you missed donating to us during Fund Drive last month, you can still support CJSR and help keep Terra Informa on the air 
by going to cjsr.com donate. If you have questions or comments, send us an email at tara at cjsr.com or tweet it at terrainforma. Visit us at terrainforma.ca to hear more stories and fill out our listener survey. And subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks this week to our contributors Charlie Blay, Amanda Rooney, Shelley Jodoin, Sophia Osborne, and Dylan Hall. I'm Sydney Carbonic. And I'm Jason Wong. And we've been your hosts this episode. Catch you next week right here on Terraforma. Catch you next next week, right? Okay, no, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do that again. Falling asleep, and I'm Jason Wong. We've been your hosts. <laughs> I need beer.